not on we are live now i'm on screen i can talk hello <laughs> welcome to the community manager live i'm david dewald community manager at sienna.com and the media guy for the community manager.com each week we bring together professionals community professionals to talk and together to discuss a topic suggested by our audience if you would like to chat along with us today you can join us on youtube twitch and facebook where we can pull your questions and chat messages right on stream and then answer them live or discuss what your comment was. If you prefer to just watch or listen, you can do so on Twitter or LinkedIn. And you can find links to all of that on thecommunitymanager.com. And that's all I've got to say for now. Let's bring everybody up. And what we'll do is we'll go around the horn and uh, we'll start with Tim McDonald and we'll say who you are, what you do, and where you do it. My name's Tim McDonald. Still trying to figure out in this world what I do. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I kind of know. Uh, but it's always a, why I love community management. It's always a learning experience, even though I've been doing it for 15 years now. Um, and I'm based in Tampa, Florida, and I work with uh, Homeroom.club, which is a company that uh, helps with technology and services for companies looking to implement um, communities in their business. Jillian? Sure. Hey, everyone. I'm Jillian Betlick. Um, I am Director of Community Docs and Education at Zapier. I've uh, been in community for 15 years now, actually. I keep forgetting it's been that long. It's been 15 years. Uh, I, too, am still trying to figure out what I want to do when I grow up. Um, but, you know, it's probably community. Um, and I am based in Litchfield, New Hampshire, where the weather cannot make up its mind because it is that weird in-between season. So happy to be here. Thank you for coming. Morgan? Hi, my name is Morgan, and I am head of community at HiveBright, and um, currently live in Albany, New York, so working remotely, and still trying to figure out what I'd like to do when I grow up, too. <laughs> and I've been in community for six years. Rebecca? Hey, I'm Rebecca Marshburn. I'm the head of community at Common Room. Um, we are based out of Seattle, which is also where I am based. But today I am in Boston at the inbound HubSpot, HubSpot inbound conference. Um, and so my living quarters do not quite usually look like a hotel room. <laughs> well, thank you for taking the time to join us. I know that it's quite busy there. Uh, honored to be here. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> and Valentina. Hi, everyone. Valentina, community experience lead at Disciple which is a community platform They're actually based in London, but I am actually based in sunny Madrid, Spain, where it's actually just turning into summer right now. It's been so hot the last few weeks. So the new summer is September. Um, <laughs> I'm really excited to be here. Thank you for having Thank me. Thank you for joining us. Glad, glad to have you as I lose my voice. Uh, all right. What we'll do is we have a, a series of questions for these people. Today, we're talking about learning with, from your community. I guess with your community as well is, is okay. The questions will appear above our heads. That's mostly to keep us on track. And sometimes I'm long-winded and I'll forget what I was asked to begin with. Uh, and that helps me stay on track. So our first question, and anyone can jump in when I, I get finished asking it, is why? Why should, we, uh, why should companies listen and learn from their communities? I feel like we need like a buzzer or something. Like me, me. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, so this is something I've been super passionate about because like I, I'm, I'm a data nerd. I freaking love data. And community is so exciting to me because 
a lot of times when it comes to listening to customers, we tend to ask a lot of leading questions. We ask things like, hey, uh, here's a list of things we want to do. Can you rank the priority? And that's kind of leading. It has a lot of bias. Um, or we put up a whole like, you know, hey, can you give us suggestions? And again, it's very biased. Community lets us actually just listen quietly without in putting any bias any you know thoughts into our customer's head. We actually just get to listen so quietly and get tens of thousands, if not millions of data points back at us about what resonated or what trends are we, are we seeing, what observations are out there. Um, and this has been like the thing that across my entire career I have loved doing, like trying to be that canary where we get to hear things before the rest of the company even knows that it might be a problem or maybe it's something customers really want. Um, and that's why, like, I mean, when I talk to companies and they're like, oh, should we have a community? If you can do it right in a way that allows, you know, no bias and really supports your customers and lets them speak freely, it is so powerful. Anyone else? Yeah, I can just follow on from that. Like what I do on my daily basis is I lead the community of people building communities with our platform. So without our community, like the support element is almost there. And that's that's literally why I joined this industry was to learn and listen to people and help them solve problems. And because our customers are building communities using our platform and our community is in our platform. I'm learning from them because they're also using the platform. I know that's a lot of using the same words in one sentence, but you can see where I'm going with this. So it's super important, if not essential to, to listen and learn from your community. And if you're not, then you need to re look at your strategy because there's so much potential there. And what your customers will say, sometimes it's, not necessarily the nicest things, but that doesn't mean that those learnings aren't important for the growth of your company, product development. I mean, it covers so many different different parts of, of the business. So yeah, it's just it's just a no brainer for me. Um, I don't know if anyone would agree. Yeah, no, I, think... I, I totally agree. Oh, you go ahead, Rebecca. No, 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 you're right. <laughs> this is how it goes on these shows, right? You're like, oh my gosh, and then you're like sitting on your hand. Uh, <laughs> So I think there are so many reasons like Jillian and Valentina had just brought up, right? Where it's like, it's that ability to deeply listen. It's ability to get that user feedback so you can build better products and experiences faster based on what you, based on what you've been hearing and what you're listening to actively. And so, and there's like, you know, you could talk about it from so many different functions of the organization. Like the success teams want to know what questions users have the most so they can make the most relevant educational materials, the support teams want to know who have unanswered questions, who still doesn't have a reply across all of those different inputs or data sources or community platforms where your community members are interacting with you. The marketing team wants to know what content is resonating, who is already creating content about them, and then how they should amplify those folks, whether or not they should be, you know, maybe they want to get deep, more deeply involved in local community meetups, or maybe they want to have lightning chats and lightning talks. Um, and you can be able to host them and help them amplify their own expertise using your products or services. Um, the sales and revenue teams, which I think a lot of times we think sales might be a dirty word, but like if sales is doing their job correctly, it's because they are matching people who want that value out of your product or experience. And they are then saying, 
we have this product that would deliver you this value. And so that's what they're trying to connect, right? They're not just trying to be like, hey, you know, give us money for six months and then go churn as a customer. That doesn't help anyone. So the sales team wants to build community in terms of being like, who are the right people showing up in our community that would actually get value from our product? And we can have contextual conversations about them. So I can like go, I want to go like so deep into all the reasons why you should. So I guess I would, then my question would be like, well, why shouldn't you? And if you do not have a reason why you shouldn't, and there are reasons why you shouldn't, if you or your company or your organization says, we're actually not going to invest time in this, but we want to have a community, then I would say you're not ready to do it. Um, or I should say you already have a community. They're already talking about you, whether or not you want to show up for them, if you're not going to invest in showing up for them, then that might be why you shouldn't. Because once you open up that dialogue or that trialogue or that quadruple log and you don't show up there, then that's actually a way I think to lose trust and to have customers churn or to lose that sense of brand like uh, fidelity, right? Um, and so there are reasons why you shouldn't, but you should be asking yourself, well, why shouldn't we? And then should we be addressing those reasons about why we shouldn't? Because there might be a bigger foundational issue there if you're like, we actually don't wanna bring in conversations with users that are like real time and actionable and have open up dialogues between all of our different teams who would benefit from being in closer contact and understanding what those deeply listening to what those users or prospective users or just company fans, how they inter want to interact with you. So if you have reasons why you shouldn't, then I think that's another thing to look at or another way to approach that question. Absolutely, Rebecca. Um, and to add to that too, community is really such a North Star for I think any company, no matter the industry, because you get that feedback instantaneously. And it's authentic, like Jillian said, where you're able to really hear what uh, the experience is for members and then really adapt quickly, hopefully internally. And then if you're not able to adapt quickly, like you said, Rebecca, you need to then scale back and see how you can then address those uh, concerns that your members are bringing up. Yeah, I got to say, you two were so on point. The bottom row just looked like bobbleheads in a car. All of us were yep. doing this at the same time. <laughs> it was fantastic. Fantastic. Um, all right. So <laughs> next question. Um, well, can I just throw in one other thing, David? No, yeah, go ahead. I don't think it was brought up, but like, and I think this was touched on, but why companies should listen and learn from their communities is the bottom line is if you're doing it correctly and everything that's been said already is you can save yourself a ton of money. <laughs> yeah. um, it's really that simple. I mean, if you're using it effectively, if you're tying it into the other departments in your company, you know, you can see we we heard sales, we heard support, we heard, you know, I mean, I didn't hear anybody even talk about employee retention or recruiting employees or, you know, um, eliminating your market research, you know, spend because you can get it from your community. So, I mean, they're all there, but I think the bottom line to all this is if you don't have from the top a belief that community is important, it's not going to make a difference in your organization. So that's like what I just wanted to throw in there. <laughs> no, that's that's very good. Um, yeah, I totally agree with everybody. I think everybody agrees with everybody. Bobblehead. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're in the Impala. We just went over a speed bump. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so uh, 
what what methods, uh, methodology or tools or anything do you use or recommend to help people kind of gather that feedback in the community? Um, communities can be sometimes large uh, across, you know, expansive, meaning that there's a lot of topics, there's a lot to cover. How do you gather it all together and, and make it something that's actionable? I don't think there's one size fits all, but in my experience, I, it can range from uh, like, we mentioned earlier where you're doing that quiet listening. So, you know, building yourself out that roster where you're compiling all of the ideas that members are sharing or more forwardly having a type form open in your uh, community where members can share direct feedback or you're constantly following up a quarterly or, you know, depending on your cadence uh, with surveys and making sure that you're able to connect with members in that way. I think the main part of feedback overall is being visible and open. So having a really dedicated community manager who's able to um, be open in open messaging or even on your forum and connect with members is the most uh, valuable part of feedback because it makes it tangible for the members. It makes them know that they're not just filling out a type form. The response is being read by Morgan, for example, and they feel that connectivity. And so I think um, whenever you're connecting feedback, it really needs to connect back to the member and why should they be filling filling out that feedback, what is in it for them, because ultimately the community is their space. And so being able to always ladder up your feedback that you're collecting to their to their purpose is the most important part, in my opinion. I think to add to that is also, you know, you just think about there's no one size fits all solution is I've worked with some communities. I used to work in a consultant role and I would go in and they would have enabled every feature across the community, like the blogs, the articles, the ideation, you name it. And it was really interesting because if you and your organization can't commit to what you've stood up and the tools that you're about to use, you're setting yourself up for failure. So to give you an idea, for instance, if your community platform has an ideation portal, somewhere where customers can go in and submit ideas and vote them up, and your product or engineering department can't commit to prioritizing those on their roadmap, don't do it you're setting yourself up for failure and a lot of hurt and a lot of, you know, kind of bad feelings. Um, whereas, you know, there may be a, a more um, low effort solution. You know, maybe you have your product department say, oh yeah, this is like the five things we're thinking about doing next year. Let's let the customers vote on those because now we can commit to those. Um, so being really, really careful. Don't just collect feedback to collect feedback only collect feedback that you can truly commit to doing something about and that you authentically are able to be, you know, communicate, like you can communicate about it and be transparent about it as well. Yeah. You mentioned ideation and that is something that we are going through at my company right now. We had an ideation program that, um, didn't work. Basically we had a lot of ideas and there was no movement on them at all. So we are, in the process of changing kind of the platform that we use for ideation um, to something that's more robust and um, will allow us to better isolate. And it also gives our product team the ability to kind of self-manage it a little bit. They can go in and say, you know, this is a good idea, uh, you know, or maybe let it sit and see how many votes it gets. Um, so hundred percent agree with that. The other thing that I've seen is that um, companies will um, go in when they first start a community 
and they'll put every single category they can possibly think of in there or every topic level, you know, and, and it's just this expansive, large community and some of the deep ends of it, uh, you know, the edge cases won't get a post at all for months and it's just there. And then when it does get a post, maybe somebody's not watching it as well as they could have and you don't know that it happened. Um, you know, in smaller communities, it's entirely possible to see every post that happens. But as the community gets larger, it gets more and more impossible to catch everything. Uh, and when it's so expansive like that, it makes it even worse. Uh, you could miss the one question that was really important, and it's six levels deep uh, and buried by 50 other things that are way less important. I think it kind of touches on something we were talking about last week or was it last week with moderation and governance yeah. where is if you don't have the structure set up where your community understands where they can go to provide you feedback, you're going to have to look at it all over the place where if you're very clear, you onboard them in the proper way, they're going to know exactly where to go to provide you with feedback. And it makes your job as a community manager so much easier. Not to say that they're not going to just do their own thing and do it in their own place for where, where they want. And I think those are, like you said, David, those are some of the golden nuggets that you might find, right? But, you know, I remember when I was at um, at HuffPost, when we were launching HuffPost Live, and they handed me the support, you know, por portion too, in addition to you know, running everything else. And I'm like, oh God. And the best advice I got was, Tim, just make it easy on yourself. Come up with three templates that you can send to people. One, if it's technical, one, if it's a feature, one, just miscellaneous and you have standardizes things. And I hated automation and standardized things at the time. And, but I tried to make it personal and username and blah, blah, blah. But we weren't getting that many in. And I'm like, I should just scrap this and address everybody individually. The feedback that I got when I did that instead of getting zero responses to my replies to their feedback was I was getting stuff back again. And those were where that was underneath what they were just asking for, which was the real gold that we were looking for. And, and so sometimes it's just like testing and experimenting what's working, you know, is, is a great way to get some feedback too. I think what you're touching on, right. Is like, community members are distributed community platforms are totally distributed across like the internet now like you have chat real-time-ish chat apps right well we if i'm going to call discord and um and slack like a chat app essentially right and then you have forums and then you have repositories and then you have more like public versus private versus mid forums. so you have like a discourse which could be white labeled and owned versus a subreddit which is another forum versus a stack overflow um and then you have that like that customer feedback or question support mechanisms like the intercoms and then you have the content media places like YouTubes and it really depends or how community members, people just want to interact differently, right? And they want to consume their information differently. Some people want to be more quiet. Some people want to be more actionable. Some people want real time chat. Some people are like, let me search like I'm going through the file cabinets at a library and that soothes them. And so then you want to meet them where they are in terms of, so it's like, what methods do you use to gather community feedback? And hopefully it's like, well, whatever methods my community members feel best at giving feedback. I think Tim, that's what you were saying, right? You were like, they felt best about giving feedback when they got a personal like invitation or, or, you know, acknowledgement from me. And um, I'm not going to try to like use this as a big, like common room. You got to try common room. Um, Cause I know that's not what this like medium is for. But I will say that we use 
Common Room. Um, I use Common Room for the Uncommon community, which is our community of community managers, to gather community feedback. And then we run intelligence on all of that. So it's like auto-categorized by support questions, auto-categorized by product complaints, auto-categorized by feature requests. You can segment out, like I will segment out cohorts of users to say, I specifically want to know what people in our Slack are talking about that doesn't have replies, that has negative sentiment um, from people who are active contributors who have contributed more than five times in the community over time. So I want to be able to prioritize those first. I want to then be able to put them into a user cohort or segment and then automatically send them a survey. And then that survey, they get segmented again that says, you know, um, would love to get your feedback about this new feature. Would you like to give it? And they say yes. And you say, cool, put some in a segment. And then they get a, a automated survey question specifically around that new feature. And now you've opened this direct message, Slack message or Discord message channel with them and have all their survey responses in one place. And then you can start to do analytics on each of those different cohorts as they move down that, let's say, feature feedback funnel. I just like to add, I mean, I'm not on the level that Rebecca's at with all of the processes she's got in place, but something that Tim kind of mentioned a minute ago is, and this is not necessarily a scalable solution in terms of getting feedback, but jumping on calls with members just opens up so much like um, opportunity, not only to get the feedback on whatever you're looking for feedback on, but getting to know your members as well. And that in turn helps build trust. It helps build loyalty, retention to your community. Um, again, it obviously it means opening up your calendar and having X amount of calls. But when you ask a community member a question, when you're face to face on a, on a Zoom call or even better in person, if you can, they will open up to you. Um, and as I mentioned in the beginning, it will be some really good things and sometimes not great things. And as I said, those are really valuable to you. And that then then starts a conversation rather than just answering a survey, which I'm not saying is a bad idea. I mean, people, I love surveys. I'm actually got an app right now where if I fill out a survey, I get a little bit of money every time I fill a survey. I'm that kind of person. But not everyone's like me. Um, and that's why actually next week in, in our community, I am looking for feedback and I've got three, four, five different means of feedback that I'm going to be sharing saying that if you want to jump on a call with me, here's my link. If you'd like to fill out the survey, you can do it here. If you want to just comment on the bottom of this post, do it. Because I know that not everyone fits into the same box. Um, so yeah, there's definitely not a one size fits all. Um, but as a community manager, that means you've got to think of, okay, what are the options? And then piecing all those together before you then announce go to your community and say hey we want to have some feedback so yeah i am feedbacking and strategizing till my heart's content right now ready for uh hopefully some great feedback next week valentina yes. you're so right to like calendly is an incredible feedback tool right where you're like uh, i i think it's honestly uh, and maybe this is like silly to say but i think calendly has changed my life in terms of opening up those conversations with and me instead of trying to be like you know how do we find time with each other that is such a powerful tool and i'm like wow this is amazing it really helps you have those conversations i i didn't even think about that in terms of my like feedback stack but calendly is very very important to me there's another tool that i like to use we have a champions club which is our super member program we meet monthly and you try getting five, six people in different places around the world 
like trying to figure out a time that works best. So Doodle, I don't know if anyone's ever heard of Doodle. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. can basically put in the times that you're available and people select which one is best for them. You choose the time that is um, most voted and then that's your time. Um, that's saved so much time trying to figure out, are you available this time? What about this time, this date? Um, so yeah, Doodle has uh, saved my life too. And adding to the tech stack too, Loom is also really incredibly helpful for members who are looking to give you quick feedback on anything in your community or you helping them with any issues as well um, and following up on feedback. So being able to show, you know, what improvements you made or what contributions, how their contributions are being folded in, being able to really have your face on the screen with whatever you're showing them is also really powerful too. Now kind of flip balls on its head though. I mean, like I'm, I tend to manage very large communities. Like I've worked on communities that had millions of members. So the idea of jumping on a Zoom is paralyzing. I'm like, uh, I'll be done sometime in like 3,100, 3, you know what I mean? Um, don't discount though, the power of feedback that comes from people who don't even know they're providing feedback. Mm -hmm. um, this is one thing we see a lot in Zapier community where we listen very intently. And every single week I ask my team, did you notice anything? Did you hear anything? Is anything like hitting you going, Ugh, that doesn't feel right. I think we're about to have a problem. And then we, we react to those. And then every single month in our monthly business review, we actually surface those, surface those back up to the organization and say, hey, we noticed this. We think this is about to be a problem or we think customers really want to see X, Y, Z. Um, and that's just done through data. Again, I am a data nerd. So, of course. Um, and that's as simple, like before anyone goes, oh, my gosh, like, you know, how, how do I do data? Just pulling a list of what topics you saw this month and going through and looking for common terminology, looking for where were people posting, what was getting a lot of views. Those slices and dices tell you everything you need to know from the quiet listening perspective. Um, and then it also helps you dial in what in-person conversations do I need to have? Like that person who started that conversation that was like, ah, and it sparked this huge, huge, you know, fiery debate that might be a good person to talk to because now they can bring perspective that maybe you didn't get throughout that entire debate. Oh, that's a, that's a really good segue to our next question. So I'm going to bring it up. Perfect. Thank you for that. I'll send you the five bucks later. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> what happens um, when you discover that your community has value in a way that you didn't anticipate? Um, just like you were saying, you know, maybe you're get a feeling that something is up in the community or that there's some unrest that you, you, you kind of sense is about to break through into something bigger. Um, what, what do you do when that happens? Uh, what processes maybe do you have in place for those kinds of things? I think I'll jump in here first. Cause I, okay. I started off my career in a support community. So I had trial by fire. I have never gotten to have the perspective of my community maybe having different type of value. Like I've literally always been like, ah, yes, <laughs> I'm getting inundated with feedback. Um, but I've worked in a lot of communities, you know, as a consultant at certain times where they went in thinking, oh, my community is going to be for people sharing best practices and ideas and networking with each other, et cetera. And that was the value they thought they were going to get. And the first time they realize that this is like the best listening tool, I love watching their face. Like, it's just this moment of like enlightenment where they're like, oh my gosh, this is better than any focus group, any market research. Like, that's really cool when you get to see people have that realization of, yeah, you stood up your community for one thing, 
but actually your customers are going to drive it, have value in a different way than you were probably thinking. Um, and that's okay. I would say, so we look at it from the, um, I would say similar to, to Jillian. Um, but in my own head, I like to, to, to like break things down and more like, okay, so if I, if we are trying to, or at Common Room, what, like one of my goals as a head of community is to help all community managers, community leaders, is like to help, to be another voice that helps elevate the community industry as a whole where it becomes as normalized as, of course you have a marketing team and of course you have a sales team and of course you have a product team. And communities, sometimes people are like, oh, do we really need a community team? Like do 15% of the time, it's gonna be fine. And the more that we can show how much impact we have on the business, I'm talking about like B2B, B2C, there are certainly nonprofit activism communities and open source communities and a lot of really wonderful communities that don't necessarily need to say like, report to a CRO or something like that. But in that case of that, you know, B2B, B2C, those like software type of companies or product-led growth companies that are emerging or have emerged, then we're like, okay, we need to show every single person in the organization that might have some amount of skepticism about what the community brings to their specific function and their specific like goal set. So you're like, okay, marketing, we're going to be able to help you surface new voices. We're going to help you be able to amplify the right content creators who are creating useful content or content that you didn't even know was existing, whether or not they're blog posts, they're podcasts, they're posting them on YouTube. Um, for the customer success team, we're gonna be able to say like, you did not know that this many questions have been asked across all of these different surfaces, or you did not know as well what those specific like problem sets were. And so now we can help you prioritize either what you respond to or that type of help content or documentation content that you build next that maybe isn't helping people the way you wanted it to. For those product teams, we're like, if you listen to your community and you do it right, we will show you that your user feedback, your beta testers, your user research arm, and then your product itself, any bugs or, or, or missing features, your community will be the first one to be your like biggest critics. And in real time, you'll be able to prioritize what's right on your roadmap based on the people who are trying to use your product every day. And then for that like sales and revenue side, or for that community manager that's basically like, sure, I love it, my head of marketing loves it, but now we have to report to the, the CMO and that CMO is gonna have a bottom line to the COO or CRO. So they're gonna say, okay, well, what's the money, right? And you're like, okay, we were able to um, deflect this many tickets or community members answered each other this many times before we even got to that ticket in our queue. So think about that like support, time to support um, we can look at customer retention so we can say, hey, um, what we do like through Common Room with our customers is we say, who entered your community before they were seen in your CRM? And so, and, and then at what product usage are they? So let's say someone is in your community and they are on the pro plan. Do people who are on your community, in your community in the pro plan actually move to a enterprise plan or a higher tier plan faster when they are in your community. And with our customers, we've seen that indeed they're able to start to show that straight A to B line where you're like, this person showed up in the community before they are in CRM. This person was on a, a pro plan before they up, like up leveled to a higher plan and they did that in a faster time. And these people in the community, like this is how they're either getting their needs met faster or just becoming closer to your brand and your organization um, 
And so it's those moments that we want to draw those lines and then end up being able to empower the community manager all the way up to the VP of marketing, all the way up to the CRO to say, fine, if what matters to you is directly the bottom line of the cash, we can show you how people in the community actually are a faster path to that value building of the business. I was going to say, I just, I, I love telling this story because when we launched Tupos Live, the whole essence of it was um, a couple of the executives saw how many commenters were commenting in reply to other comments instead of the actual article. And so they had this concept of instead of sending reporters out to interview people, let's bring the conversation with our commenters with the host on air. And we do it via, well, we were using Zoom at the time and or Google Hangouts at the time. And it was like, you know, the whole essence was trying to get our commenters to become guests on air. And it took us three months from the time, I mean, before we even launched to the time we, you know, got launched three months to get our first commenter to become an on-air guest. And we were all excited. We were pumped. But then I started like asking some of the other ones, okay, now that you're, you know, he did it, you're going to be on next. Right. And it was like, no, no, no. And I'm like, why? And they're like, oh, well, when I'm typing, I can look at it before I hit enter. I can decide whether I want to go back and revise it, delete it, say something different, or if there was a typo, I can correct it before I hit that enter key. When I'm on air, whatever comes out of my mouth comes out of my mouth. I can't go back and edit that. Don't and, I know it. And <laughs> no, trust me. Um, but, so bold, but, live. but what that <laughs> what the light bulb went off in my head that even though, and this is a big thing, is is an individual working for executives that brought this idea, sold it to Ariana Huffington, and got investors involved to come up and say, You're wrong. This isn't gonna work the way you thought. But we have a whole blogging community that have people that want their faces, want their voices heard, that we can tap into. And so we shifted at that point, just from that one instance of focusing on getting our commenters to become our on-air guest, to shifting to using our blogging network to become on-air guest. And it was a huge change, but it made it so much easier on our producers. It made it so much easier on my team and myself. And it was just like, but it was all just that, you know, this is where I think like most people don't give community managers enough credit because this content and this data and this conversation can happen with a lot of people. But if that light bulb doesn't go off and you don't connect the dots for other people, they don't get it. And that's what, but I love telling this story because it is so, you know, our whole premise of why we started this, I kind of shot a hole in and then had to explain what we could do to fix it, you know, <laughs> and, and it really worked out well and and helped everybody um, for the two years that it ran or two and a half years that it ran after we launched. So um, I just I, I love sharing that story for this question, because I really think it amplifies how you can, you know, shift your your thinking in a way that you didn't anticipate. <laughs> very good. Very good. Uh, let's see. Next question up. Um... So how do you get your community to recognize that they have value? And that could be, how do you get them to, to realize that their input matters, you know, that you're looking for their input um, and that, you know, they can make changes. I, I'm, like I said, I'm working on some ideology stuff where I work, where people can submit ideas and, 
you know, have that process actually work. And we have like swag lined up. So if an idea goes from, you know, I made an idea to in production and we've made it and it's a product or it's a thing and we're selling it, um, that they get a way to, you know, to say, hey, I contributed to that and, and can share it. But how do, how do you go about getting it to the point where they realize that what they do has value? I would say I, I would um, probably similar to, to, to what you're doing. Um, yeah. I was like, yes. And I wish there was like little, you know, those little reactions you can put like party hat or like a hundred or like same. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. So party hat and a hundred and same to what you just said. Like, <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> well, we can do it too. <laughs> it was um, a great idea. The audience loved it. <laughs> loved it. Um, but yeah so one of the things that 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 what i've started doing is is the uncommon community or common rooms and common community has been around for a little over a year and now we're starting to really see um you know the traction between people who are interested in it and then people who are like really interested in it and like want to be more engaged and so i'm super excited that we're now in that phase where starting to build out a community advocacy board, right? And so they are not necessarily, because we have a free tier and paid tiers, and so they don't necessarily, it's a little, it's different than a customer advocacy board per se, um, because customer advocacy board would generally be like, you know, paying customers who want future priorities and for whatever. And so on the community side, we're like, hey, we want to do two things. If you really love using our product, um, then absolutely, we also want to hear from you in that sense, but the community advocacy board is meant to say like, you're often contributing in our community, whether or not it has anything to do with the product or just the practice and community strategy overall. And so we want to recognize you in terms of inviting you into the smaller group to say, can you, um, how do you want to shape, how do you want to see the community evolve? So not only start to have some say in, or you know, access to our product teams and say, hey, what, what could we build next in terms of you being user of our product? Um, that is part of the conversation, but in terms of the community advocacy board being like, what what do you want to see next in the community, right? Do you want to see more events? Do we actually, do you actually want it to be more of a, should we open a forum next? Because right now where most of our conversations happen, they're either going to be on, you know, the social media platforms or our HubSpot integration is more of like a marketing tool that's integrated. So our, our live conversations, our daily conversations are happening on Slack. But like we had talked about earlier, not everyone necessarily wants to interact in Slack, right? And so with that community advocacy board, we want to say, like, what is most important to you next? And whether or not that's another um, community platform that we open, because maybe you're saying, hey, we actually want to be able to have a forum-based community as well. Or maybe that's different types of events. Or maybe that's people saying, I want more like mentorship programs where I can either be a mentor or a mentee by someone who's been in the community space a lot longer. So in that way, I guess it's it's not we're not necessarily acknowledging like every member in the community, right? But what we want to do is start to say um, we understand and acknowledge that you are open to engaging more here, and we just want to reach out and say thank you and tell us how you want to engage, and we will build that for you. And so starting small by having those you know 15 super fan product champion community champion contributing members. And then allowing them to sort of be the the genesis for how the community keeps building. 
I would completely agree with you. Um, something that has really shaped our champions program is the fact that these people have been the most active in our community and I've reached out to them and, and really the simplest way is to acknowledge people's contributions, whether that's DMing them and saying, hey, I've noticed you've been sharing a lot of questions or commenting and helping others out or even on the post in the comments saying, thank you for sharing, this is a great question, um, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, in, in our Champions Club, we have a choose your own adventure type um, program where our champions choose how they want to get more involved in the community based on what they like to do. For example, if some of them love hosting events, then they go into that one and they host X amount of events a year. Some people just love to support others. So they're in there trying to help answer support questions. And that's really helped with the motivation and keeping people engaged and goes back to retention and loyalty, which is something that I would highly, highly recommend. But yeah, that acknowledgement and recognition piece, and it doesn't have to be connected to rewards and swag. I mean, obviously, everyone loves swag, um, so that would be great. But just a simple thank you can go a huge way um, and can really make people feel not only is their contribution valued, but them as a person. Uh, and again, that builds stronger relationships between you as the community manager or the community team and the members. Um, and hopefully that then, if they if you're building a customer community, that keeps them a customer for longer because they feel that strong sense of belonging to your community. Um, so yeah, recognition, acknowledgement is, yeah. I'm saying thank you so many times a day. Um, <laughs> not because I feel like I need to, but I actually want to at the same time because it's super important. Um, we all love to be recognized, right? I mean, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> no, and I, I was, I was going to say one of the simplest things that most people don't do is use the person's name when you're thanking them. And yeah. when you do that, it carries so much more power than when you just say, hey, thank you. Or I hate this on Facebook now that all the groups have like the at everyone feature. Mm. And it's like, hey, at everyone, thank you so much. Or would you do this? And it's like, it, I mean, I get that in large communities, it's not always possible. But when you are talking about some of your most valuable members or mem most valuable contributions, you should take the time to let that person individually know the impact that they're having. Because what that does is that means that that person now in the community is most likely going to do the same thing that you did for them to other community members. And that is the power of community. Right? I always joke, like I, I say it as a joke, but I'm serious. My job as a community manager is to get other people to do my work for me. And everybody says, oh, I want your job. And I'm like, be careful what you ask for, because <laughs> that's a lot to get done. But there's real power in that. And I think, you know, sometimes it's just simply, I mean, I know this isn't true in every community because there are ones that are a little bit more serious and everything. But in the ones I've worked in, in nonprofit and media and, you know, in even in associations, which was kind of a little bit more, you know, stale and professional, um, really just becoming the biggest fans of your community member. I mean, it's real. I mean, these sound so simple, but most people just get we get stuck in our routine of what are we looking at? What are our objectives? What are the metrics showing us? And we forget that we're dealing with people and people have emotions and they want to feel acknowledged and cared for. And using their name and being their biggest fan are two of the simplest ways to get that accomplished. 
Absolutely. Oh, sorry. Oh, okay. I wanted to jump in and add to that one practice that I took from took with me from nonprofit world for community management is um, on a quarterly basis, looking at who have you thanked and then following it up with a handwritten note. The way that that transcended in the nonprofit space and the way that it's working now is it's astronomical. You, first of all, getting physical mail is always exciting. We don't typically get it too often nowadays, right? And then also it's going that extra mile. So finding those little bits of joy that you can send and show them that you're thinking outside of them of the digital con uh, construct. Um, and then the other way too is, Tim, like, what you were saying is role modeling the behavior that you want your members to also embody goes such a long way. And so being able to be that cheerleader and be that role model for others to feel welcomed into being their most authentic self with the spin of what your community is about is really, really impactful. I've actually sent flowers to one of our community members who we found out was in the hospital and my, or my boss was a CTO at the time. And I told him what was going on. He goes, do it. <laughs> and, and it didn't have an impact just on her. It had an impact on all the other community members that were friends with her that knew that she got those from us and right. that we cared that much that we went out of our way to learn where she was, how we could get them to her. Because a lot of times we didn't know the people's real names. They all had pseudonyms at the time I was there. And so it was like, kind of back channel information to try and find out all this and get it. But yes, you're right. When you, you know, if you, if we really think about it in, and it, this gets into kind of the customer experience, but it's a community experience, right? It's like, what do you want your community to experience? And, and if you can do those little things, they don't cost a lot of money. They don't take a lot of time. They don't take a lot of effort, but the result and the remembrance that it sticks with people. Like I always said at Starbucks, you can go to any Starbucks you want and you know what kind of cup, you know, coffee you're going to get and you're going to have a similar experience. But there is one Starbucks that I went to in the Minneapolis airport that had a barista who actually like sung my name and did it not just for me, but everybody in line. I remember her. I don't remember every other barista that I go to at a Starbucks. But I remembered her. Now, if you can do that in your community and kind of, you know, like we said, kind of replicate that behavior among your community members. That is like golden. And, and it's, it, this is like so simple. We don't need to, you know, spend a lot of money or time on this. It's just like little things that go above and beyond what people expect. That's what people remember. Can I, um, I want to say that, uh, so a lot of times I think as community leaders and managers, we talk about rituals, right? Something you do either daily or weekly or monthly, and those can be different things for different communities. But I'm so inspired by all of you right now. I wrote down in my little like cheat note where it's like, <laughs> oh, before we leave for the weekend, right? Because a lot of people in our in the uncommon community are community managers. So they're likely, well, they're probably working on the weekend, but not necessarily going to be online the whole weekend. Um, and I'm going to go in there before the end of Friday and be like, you know what? Please thank someone today. And then I'll pick out a few people from our community who have contributed this week and then get a thread going to see. I'm sure, I mean, I think as humans, not only do we want to thank others or be acknowledged by others, but we also love being able to pass something forward, right? So it's like, oh, yeah, it does sound like a good idea to thank someone. And you thank them. Also, I'll say, like, I'll start, right? And I'll thank a few community members. And then people are like, oh, I would love to thank someone and acknowledge them. So even opening up that platform or that thread or that moment of being like, hey, yeah, this is a, like, I too would like to pass on thanks. So anyway. 
thank you all for inspiring what I think is going to be a really lovely end. Well, now I'm looking forward to hearing how that goes when I see you next week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have one no, thing to add, actually, just on that. Did everybody know there's actually an international thank you day, an annual celebration? Um, it's on the 11th of January every single year. I'm a big kind of like... Uh, International Day, National Day thing. Not that you should be close to every day. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just a fun fact there to put into your content calendars. Very good. So I, I'm a big fan of the thank yous. It's in it's in the documentation that we use to train people in using the community and if they do blogging, how they respond in comments. Uh, I always say say thank you first, and then whatever you want to say after that. Thank you for your question. Thank you for your comment. Thank you for you know calling me whatever you just called me. Uh, I disagree, <laughs> you know. Uh, but just say thank you. Just uh, that's my big thing is you know, thank you for everything. And you know by name, thank you your name. Uh, and with our platform, that does two things. One, when you at mention somebody, they get an extra email that says somebody mentioned you. Uh, so you know, there's that uh, that plays into it. But I'm a I'm a big thank you guy. I'll be saying it at the end of this to you guys for joining me um, probably three times because I always mess up and do it a couple times, but um, absolutely. Absolutely. We've, we've got maybe five minutes left. I've got one question and uh, it can be big or little. Uh, we're going to skip over a couple of questions and grab this one. And do you have examples of, uh, or a story of leveraging learning from your communities that kind of really paid off and you all have just done a bunch um, about that. And there was so much stuff. You guys talked for so long and you said so many good things that there was stuff that I wanted to say that I won't say because it was so long ago. Um, <laughs> that it doesn't matter. Anymore. You didn't get it. Well, so, okay. Valentina, Valentina said, you know, champions program. And when people ask me, how do you choose your champions for your programs? I always say, you already know who they are because they're, they're the members in the community that you know by name. And when they post, you know, it's going to be good content. Those are your champions. It's easy to find champions, just the people that are in there being active and you know them by name uh, and 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 for good reasons, because, you know, there's some people in the community you might know by name for bad reasons. But <laughs> uh, that's for sure if you're a gaming community manager. But uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know your champions. It's just a matter of formalizing it and, and making sure that, you know, they're done. But do you guys have any good stories or good examples of leveraging learnings from your community? And I don't necessarily mean for the community, but stuff that you've internalized into the company. Tim had a, you know, an example where the community said, no, we don't want to be on screen because you know, I, I, I can't be thoughtful in the moment. You know, I'm going to say something dumb is what their fear is. Uh, and trust me, you, you'll get over that fear. I do it every week. I say something dumb on screen uh, live and I can't go back and edit it. So. Anything at all like that uh, from any of you? I'll, I'll take any story. I can start. Um, uh, we had feedback from our community. Started with our champions, and then I went into the main community to see if anyone else felt this way. But they wanted us to be more transparent with what we were working on at Disciple. Um, and I started thinking, okay, how can we do it? I spoke with our champions, and what we came up with was a dedicated group that we've called research and releases, um, which is serving two purposes. It's asking for more feedback on things that we know that we're working on. Um, we share prototypes and things like that, but also releasing what we, what has currently been shared on the platform 
that's come out on the platform very recently. Um, and people love that. They love to know what's happening because, you know, as community managers, we want to know what's the newest feature so we can then strategize around it to then implement it into our community. So, um, yeah, I'm super grateful for my champions coming to me and being like, this needs improvement. Um, and at the time, I'll be honest, I was like, oh, like this is this is awful that we're not being transparent enough. But we've been able to turn that around. And just by adding a, a, a simple group where our product and our tech teams are in charge of, you know, sharing those announcements and allowing people to comment and get feedback on that has done so much for our members and their communities, but also brought together our community because they feel like they're part of the team, um, which is something that I really, uh, the, the relationship between us and our customers should be so strong. Um, and that's, yeah. what's, that's what's happened as a result of it. And there's a very delicate balance about being transparent because there's going to be stuff that your company doesn't want to talk about that may be coming that, you know, maybe for industry reasons, maybe it's a something, a breakout new product that they don't want out there. Um, I am a firm believer in NDAs for community members mm -hmm. or for champions specifically, champion programs so that you can share some stuff. Um, I've even in the past seen situations where marketing has gone to champions in a community and said, hey, we're going to we're going to try marketing it this way and this way. Which one kind of do you like better? And that's a huge thing. You know, that's corporate marketing, asking customers ahead of time, you know, which which one do you like better? Um, they obviously don't want that getting out and getting anywhere. So it's it's a very fine balancing act with, with that kind of transparency. But I feel like NDAs with champions is a good way of giving them some extra value. They get some sneak peeks into what's happening under the hood. Um, and, you know, and sometimes it can help them prepare and be ready for when the community starts talking about these new features. They're already ahead of the game and they can help answer questions and, and those kinds of things because they've already been exposed to it. Yeah, for sure. I think um, what a great, ooh, you go, no, you go, Morgan. I was just going to Morgan. say, David, um, that is such a great way to, to, when working in community, I'm always thinking about the ways that we can elevate, right? So how do we uplift members and show them that their contributions have that meaning? And NDAs is, I think, although very, you know, forwardly in business, we're like, okay, this is a practice, we have to do this in order to protect our assets. But for a member who maybe hasn't had that experience in your industry and hasn't been able to be uplifted in that way, being able to fold the NDA also into an educational experience gives that extra edge to that programming so that your members are seeing the value for what it is. It's yes, you have this NDA, but also now you're going to be having this conversation with product and you're going to meet with our developers and you get to work with marketing and being able to really surface that in that NDA and really make it community versus corporate um, is another great way to really uplift your members too. And that just inspired me in a new way. So thank you for that, David. Yeah, no problem. And just for NDA, non-disclosure agreement in case anybody's unsure. And I think sometimes it's, it's too, it's about just, you know, giving your, your community a little you know, not everybody, but maybe the, you know, the most, you know, uh, you know, engaged members, you know, whether it's your super users or, you know, champions or whatever you want to call it. Um, and sometimes it's, it's just a, you know, a, a smaller group of people that you want to invite in, but just kind of giving them a preview of what you're looking at doing and getting their feedback on it. 
And when I was at HuffPost, it was like, if anybody was in New York, I would invite them to come in and give them a tour of the studio. And if they had a favorite host, I'd make sure that they came in at a time where the host knew that they were coming. Wouldn't spend more than like 10 seconds with them to say hi and maybe get a selfie. But that was the only thing that I would do was just make sure that they got to see that host that was their favorite person, get a look behind the scenes. And now all of a sudden what they saw on this little screen that we're seeing here, everybody got to see what was in our production studio in New York City. And it was like that value is so important. But I've seen that done with, you know, when I did it for a nonprofit, we had a social council, right? Like about 12, 14 people that were all like social influencers and helped us with our campaigns. And we just had meetings with them. The campaign was already done. But what we did was have a meeting with them to go over it, get their help, get their feedback. We maybe tweaked it a little bit, but they just felt like they were part of creating it now instead of just being given it. And that little nuance is so powerful that I think like I've taken that into everything that I do now. It's like, how do I provide that? Whether you want to call it behind the scenes, being a part of your team, but without having to give up too much or give up, you know, too much that your company doesn't want you giving up to just let your community feel like they are actually part of what you're creating. You're not giving them something. They are creating it with you. I love that so much, Tim. And that's the transformational experience too, is being able to bring your members into that fold and really help them grow their skill sets. One thing with any champions program, I think a piece of advice is just to figure out when you're onboarding them, what are their goals? What are their interests? How can you help uh, in your position as a community manager or builder to help them grow as members? Because that affinity and that bond that you'll create is, is next to none anywhere else. Well, I think that's a good good place to call it uh, a show. Uh, any other comments, last comments before we go? I was just going to say, um, I get so jazzed on this, and so I get really talky, but I was going to be like, Jillian, do you want to share a story so I don't like talk about it? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, nothing? Okay. Um, <laughs> very good. I want to thank our guests for joining us today. Thank you to our audience. If you enjoyed this, please like, subscribe, follow it. You know what I'm going to say. Like, subscribe, follow everywhere that you want us to do that. Uh, I would appreciate it. YouTube would be great. We're trying to get enough so we can actually have a customized name, but that'll be fine. If you would like to be a guest on our upcoming episode or have a topic you would like to cover, please head over to thecommunitymanager.com, click about us in the contact us page, um, and just drop a little note to us and, and we'll get you on uh, or, you know, talk about your topic. Again, thank you to our guests and thank you for tuning in. Thank you. Thanks all. <laughs> Bye, Applause everybody. sound. <laughs> <laughs>